What happens when you take Facebook arguments between friends who don't agree and have them face to face? I'm Xanthi. And I'm Andrew. And this is We've, We've Got, Got Issues. Hello and uh, welcome back after a long hiatus. Yes, uh, we've been away for a little while. To Z to A, We've Got Issues. I'm Andrew. I'm Xanthi. And this is episode 17. No, it's 18. Oh, 18? Yeah. Shit. But that's okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's been so long, I forgot how many been we did. Gone for a while, so we're, we're, it's glad to be back. And so we've missed Xanthi. You've been in, in Greece, enjoying yourself in Greece. I've been in lovely Martha's Martha's Vineyard, Chappaquiddick. Yeah. And uh, but now we are back together, and uh, we're going to talk about everything that's happened. A lot. Uh, yeah, the summer used to be the slow season for um, politics, it's but it's not anymore. Just like TV. Summer used to be the slow season for TV, and now they just are like constantly right. launching new shows. Yeah. It's no different in our um, political environment, it, it turns out. It's true. So um, The hits so, just keep coming. So, so <laughs> as usual, we're going to start with uh, the thing that put us on the map, the thing that everybody loves. <laughs> Andrew's catchphrase. Yeah. Uh, not my tribe. Uh, in which we're going to quiz each other with three questions from the opposite side of the political spectrum, such as it is, and Xanthi, you get to start. I'm going to start. Yeah. I mean, this game has like a dual purpose that always strikes me, which is we're trying to stump each other. Mm. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. I'm ready. Um, All right. Number one, and there's so much ground to cover, so it was a little hard to narrow these down. Okay. Um, And they're not all necessarily like topical as in from the last week, but... uh, Understood. We have a lot of ground to cover. We do. do. Okay. Number one, Um, what reason have both Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State, and Sarah Sanders, Mm -hmm. Sarah Huckabee Sanders... Yes. Both... She of the red red hen. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we could have talked about that. Um, what reason have both Pompeo and Sanders given to excuse our president's inflammatory tweets? Uh, what have they... I think they usually just say, well, this, you know, the president's words speak for himself. That That's their, well, that their is, classic... Well, that is Sanders' catchphrase. Statement, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to try to explain it. Um, because, you know, that's not my job as the press, as his yeah. press spokesman. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, this is more like an excuse that they've given. When when they go in and people say to them, you know, how can you explain that the president tweeted this, they both gave a sort of interesting response. I, I don't know what their response is. Um, okay. I think they usually just sort of try to disclaim it's, They deflect. They deflect, But this yeah. is a very specific way that they deflect it. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. So they both have said something along the lines of, the president's words are just his opinion, uh-huh. And they're not policy, and they're not, he's not actually, they're not action. Yeah, they're tweets, they're not policy. Exactly. So which, Pompeo, when he was testifying before, I believe, the Senate. Which I think is true. They're you just, know, they just, said they were giving him a hard time, and he said, no, 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 the president's words are not policy. Yeah. They're just things that he's saying, basically. Right. And Sanders has used the same thing, right? Like when they said recently to her, you know, when Trump said, you know, ses- sessions must end this horrible, uh, you know, must unrecuse himself and stop this horrible Russia hoax witch hunt. Um, and then they said to Sanders, like, isn't that obstruction of justice, basically? And she's like, no, 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 he's not telling Sessions what to do. He's just stating his opinion. Well, you know what I actually, I was thinking about this. I, I, I think that's true. And by the way, I well, think Well, then they both got into hot water. I think like, Pompeo had to then, like, Pompeo suddenly realized that what he'd said was that the president's words don't matter. And then he had to totally go back. And he was like, no, 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 no. I mean, the president's words are policy. They are policy. Right. Well, Can't have I, it both I, ways. What I... I don't know. I mean, so I actually was thinking about this uh, last week when I was thinking about Covfefe, right? Remember Covfefe from the oh, last year? Oh, that's such an oldie. I, that's a and, classic. Yeah, but I was actually, I was, I was kind of thinking about it, and I thought, well, from a foreign policy standpoint, Covfefe <laughs> was in a way brilliant be, because what it said to everybody in the whole world was that was that whatever we the have president a, says, we have a dotard in charge. No, it's that it's unfiltered. Right. It means yeah. that when he when something comes onto the tweet, right. as if we didn't is, already couldn't this tell. This is but really yes. what Trump is thinking, and like we <laughs> in the world, like we don't really believe that very often about anything that we get. Like we get a statement from the CEO of GE. Right. We know it's been filtered through like ten thousand yeah, PR been professionals, ten, ten right. different people, and and but if I was North Korea or if I was Putin or whoever, and Trump says something, I believe that because of Covfefe and because of a few other things, yeah. I believe that's actually what Trump 
things. Maybe he's going to change. Maybe he's going to jump around. Meaning but it's ephemeral. Meaning it's authentic. And, ah. and, that, and that this is actually what, and, and what I think what uh, Sanders is saying and Pompeo is sort of the same thing, which is like, yes. no, this is really, this is what Trump believes. And we don't have any control and we're not we're not going to stop him from doing it. But it's not necessarily the policy of the White House. But I actually think that's extremely powerful because when he gets out there and says to Iran, no. when he gets out there and says to Iran, like, we're going to blow you up or North Korea, we're going to blow you up. Like they kind of know, like, this is okay. what he's thinking. He, right. he really feels. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. But it, on the other hand, I think it's scary as hell to be on the other side of that where you're like, wait, here's the guy who is the president of the United States who's like completely unfiltered and he's saying, I want to go to nuclear war with you. Right. Like that scares the heck out of the other side, even though then everyone's like, no, 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 we're not really going to do it. Well, so I okay, actually so think what from it, a foreign uh, policy standpoint, uh, from a foreign policy standpoint, it's actually weirdly effective. From a economic standpoint and from a like managing the country standpoint and managing administration, <laughs> it's a disaster. It's a disaster. So... In, in the sense that, like... Yes, no, you don't even need to explain it. Yes, of course. So, um, but I, I actually think when we talk about, like, you know, brinksmanship, yes. you know, the, the whole Kofefe thing, to me, is, is like... It's well, weirdly, and Kofefe being a sort of, like, a stand-in for the idea of his tweets in general. Yeah, it's weirdly effective, I think, for well, we'll somebody see. to be... We'll see how effective it really is. Well, so far... I think from a foreign policy Although, standpoint. I'm going to agree with you on one thing which actually has nothing to do with foreign policy, which is that, and I think we've actually agreed on this for a long time, which is that the, the one of the keys to his um, satisfaction, I mean to his uh, attraction, excuse me, to, yeah. for many people, is his authenticity, right? right? In Even though it's all lies, at least right. it's unfiltered lies, right? He appears authentic um, to many people. And that is why many people like him and why many people well, liked him right. more than Hillary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in that sense, I'm going to agree with you. And this is more on a sort of electability yeah. point, which is that people tend to want to elect people they view as authentic. And Trump has authenticity down in spades. Yeah, um, we, right. Well, well, what I would say about Trump is like, what you get from Trump is, is the real how his brain works now yes. how his brain processes facts and truth and right. whatever is it's very ter terrifying is is not and what, inconsistent you know so he's a bullshit artist but you know at some level and so he, and he lies all the time but at the same time i think you everyone can say like no this is actually sort of what he really thinks yeah or, although i have to say i think you're being a little naive only because it actually turns out that many of his tweets are are packaged are packaged and in fact very cynically, they are packaged to look authentic, so that you know when his aides. No, 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 they. No, 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 they are. When his aides, there was a whole article about it. When his aides write tweets, they write in his style, yeah. right, with like misspelled words you and believe, random like, capitalization. All caps tweet to Iran, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's him. That is him. Yeah, I think. And who knows? Maybe him. it's maybe it's Pompeo. Or maybe I it's, don't think so. Maybe it's. Um, and, then, well, and even if that's true, like what Kofefe says to me is like no one would believe that's true <laughs> oh my God. because. Because, right, like we, nobody would ever write Kofefe and leave it up there for eight hours yeah. unless it was just Trump. I just want to say, like, I cannot believe that we're living in a world where the president himself is essentially, essentially devaluing the concept the of, of a president. Value of his own communication. And of, of his, his own role. Right. Right? Which right. is basically like what the president, and this is what we're going to have a long time recovering from, right. which is that the words of the president don't actually mean anything anymore other than whatever random I, thought went through his head 10 I minutes ago. I think it'll snap back almost immediately. Once you get another president and like, you know, who's a thoughtful, meaningful person, people will parse his, you know, it's sort of like, I remember Alan Greenspan used to have these sort of statements that were like very kind of, you know, well-crafted and, and thoughtful, but they Confusion. could be Confusion, what was the word they used to use for it? Like, um... Delphic, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Right, yeah. where he would Oracular. sort of talk about mm -hmm. um, irrational exuberance and everyone would be trying to parse, parse that. It. Right, right. And, um, and then you got the next person yeah, who just know. says like... So I, I don't think we're ever going to have a president like that again. I, I really don't. You think... No, I think... Because honestly, it's it's one of the things that a lot of people disliked about Obama. We gotta move on. We gotta move on. All right, it's My interesting question, though. number one. Yeah. What is the number one app now on Google um. Play with five million downloads? It's just so horrifying. So you know the answer. Infowars. Yes. And, and so, what do you think about that? Uh, so I was reading about this a little bit this you get morning. The point, by the way. You uh, get yes, it was going to be one of my questions too, so I can cross that off my list. Um, I mean, I think 
that it's horrifying. And I think What's that horrifying? I think it's horrifying that if you that by basically, you know, so the news for anybody who didn't hear it this week is that uh, various major social media sites, yeah, Google and Facebook, they all blocked uh, Infowars, right? And took YouTube, took yeah. Infowars off their which selection, is the, which is the sort of unhinged conspiracy theory. Yes. The crazy. irony is that all of these places are still selling the Infowars app, yeah, um, which has now pushed all the people who were looking at it on these so other you sites think, over to you think that the, they shouldn't even sell the app. I think that they should be consistent. I think it's incredibly inconsistent to say we don't believe we're, we don't we want to hide this person who is pushing hatred, um, but we're still going to sell the app. How does that make any sense? That's unbelievably hypocritical, well, and I think that they're going to stop actually because I think the New York Times reported on it this so morning. Now, so now, then that just opens up the go to uh, his website. I mean, they can't take away his website. I I don't think they should be able to take away his app either. And, and look, it's about free speech, right? And um, and obviously it's not the government preventing him from doing this, but I, w I would say, here's the problem. If you push Infowars off into the nether regions where they have to create their own, mm -hmm. you know, app and they have to create their own distribution network, distribution network right, right. and they're no longer on YouTube and mm -hmm. they're no longer on Facebook. Like what that is doing essentially is creating a bubble. But there already kind of is that bubble. There is a bubble, but like you're actually just you're putting it all into a world where where now they have complete control. Like the Infowars people are the only voice and you're, you're creating a, a thing that we would never see or touch, right? And the more and more you do that, the more you push things out, the more that you censor. Um, the more powerful they get. I don't, the more powerful I they don't get. believe that. No, I think. I don't believe that at all. Because I think that part of what the problem is here is that Five you legitimize. No, I know. And I and maybe that's, that's terrifying, and maybe that is just because they got a ton of publicity this right. week. Um, I think by we'll have to see if it, it stays by there. censoring it, you're just you give it more power. empowering it, and um, just keep it out there. Let people. Um, yeah, I don't agree at all because I think that if you look at other countries that have gone down the path of um, fascism, et cetera, et cetera, like you look like Germany's laws against hate speech are quite different from ours right and there yeah. are certain things there that are banned because you are n because they've seen what right. happens when those things you know you're not allowed to wear swastikas you're not allowed right. to um you know spew anti-semitic hate speech for example um in certain forums and i have to say i don't really right. know the but details but i know that it's very different from here um and i think that we are really really naive as a country i think that this whole free speech argument is so naive and it's biting us in the butt yeah, right well, now. I and I think that Facebook and all these other places are are playing catch up and that they, I'm not sure they're ever gonna get, I think that the damage is done, to be honest. Because, so are you, are you kind of, I mean, there's always these arguments saying like, ah, oh, democracy is broken, free speech is broken, everything has changed. I, I sort of don't believe either of those. I sort of believe that these things are in a pendulum, they swing back and forth. Um, I mean, Andrew, I believe that things will be okay if the institutions remain strong, but the institutions are being chipped away at all the time. Social norms are changing. Uh, institutions like belief in a free press are changing. Mm -hmm. um, and they're changing because people in power are making them change. Uh, and that's actually what, that's when I started. to But I also think that people are, people are reacting. So when people see a problem, like they say, okay, we've got fake news or on... Yeah, but know, nobody even knows what fake news is anymore. Right, Everybody got, just uses fake news to say that what they don't we've like. We've got propaganda on on Facebook delivering false stories, yeah. deliberately meant to undermine our democracy. Right. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Right. Um, either from the left or the right, like both, I think, are yeah, have been guilty in, of that. Have been sure. guilty of that, and uh, and sometimes from like Russia pretending to be the left, <laughs> pretending to be the right. Yeah. Um, but I'd say that. Everybody recognizes that this is a problem, and then we try to correct I it. I so disagree, but I hope you're right. Um, so I, think <laughs> I really the, hope you're right. I, I just don't, I'm starting thing, to lose hope. Uh, is I think it's just interesting in the sense that I, I think that you're going to have a tougher time policing uh, or or monitoring or participating in the dialogue or mm -hmm. or anything else once you've shunted them off into a dark corner. I just think Infowars is so extreme, and I think you have to draw the line somewhere. I don't think this is a very satisfactory line, and I think it's 
you know, really like a PR move more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so I'm not entirely approving I mean, I'm not of a, it. I'm not, a, I'm not a reader of Infowars anyway, and I don't really know much about them. And I do think that they, I know play, more into, and more, they play into people's worst. Absolutely. Uh, well, I will tell you just, and I know, I know we need to move on from this topic, but there's one, there's actually a much more interesting article that was uh, in the paper recently about how um, the role that Facebook and social media plays in other countries that have less established and less solid um, democratic institutions. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, and they're basically saying like over, time people kept saying like oh like in Myanmar in um, China, right, other yeah. places well not so much in China because of the censorship but um, in India and yeah. in other countries uh, Facebook has been used to stir up horrible sectarian yeah. um, violence right and people have been killed because and everyone said oh well that happens over there it happens over there and the article was saying that actually we should be afraid of what it's going to do here um, and that we've not, been, and that we've been naive, thinking that, that it worried. could never happen here. I'm not that worried about it. All right. Um, but uh, all right. So I get the point. <laughs> you certainly get the point. Uh, question two. For all right. Me. I'm gonna uh, look. Or are you gonna mark it down for your point? Uh, yeah. Um, it's very important that we keep track of these things. I thought we had um, no uh, no cell phone rule. No, because my questions are on my phone. On the table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but thanks for pointing that out. All right, so there was an article recently in the Huffington Post that a friend of mine pointed me to um, about a man who walked around, I can't even remember what city it was, an American city, okay. wearing a very unusual team t-shirt or a shirt that appeared to be a team, like a sports team. Right, but it was a fake. Shirt, yes. Yeah. And, it, and, and he got a lot of, um, uh, what's the right word? Uh, attention? A lot of attention. A lot of attention. negative attention. Negative Thank attention. You. Yeah. Um, and was he people. wearing it ironically or was he wearing it sincerely? He was wearing it as an experiment. Yeah. A thought experiment. Was it something about Native Americans? Uh, that is connected to this topic. Do you right. Yeah. No, I'm just guessing because I would think that that's the, the controversial thing about sports. So my guess. So your first, so that's interesting. So your first thought of a controversial sports yeah. team is? Well, so the Red, Washington Redskins. Okay. So, so what I would guess, and I don't know the story, but yeah. what I would guess is he was wearing something that was ironic but it intended it sort of as a provo provo provocation that is the equivalent of the Washington Redskins, wow. but is, um, and I think maybe equally offensive, uh, but but trying to offend people. So maybe, but probably has something to do with white people because oh he's trying to offend, try to so take the white version of the Washington Redskin, which I, that would be offensive to white people. Oh my God. So it's probably like the crackers, the something crackers, the honkies or something. So do you promise me you did not see this story? I have never seen the story. I am blown away because you pretty it. much nailed it. Yeah. That's very impressive. Right. Um, this is your superpower, clearly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it actually wasn't, it probably would have been a better thing if he had worn the one that said the crackers or the honkies. Yeah. It actually just said Caucasians. Caucasians. That's good. Yeah. Um, but I do like that. And people were really mad at the him. The Greenwich Honkies. They were like, that is, yeah, there you go. Oh my God, there's your, there's your billion dollar idea. Um, yeah, and people were really offended and like stopping him on the street or like yelling at him and yeah. being like, that's offensive. Caucasians? Yeah. Wait, and is he Native American? Uh, no, I think he might have been black. Okay. I'm actually not no, sure what his race right. was. Um, but yeah, that would be interesting to see, to have different people. Wow, we just came up with a whole idea there. Yeah, well, we start selling jerseys on the uh, I mean, Andrew, I sort of feel like you should get... Store. Yeah, exactly. I feel like you should sort of get like five points yeah, for, wow. for the way that you took that apart and cool. nailed it. Thank you. Wow. Um, all right, so I will take a point for that. And I have a question for you, which is, <laughs> according to uh, Tom Perez, who is the... You know, he is. He's the chair of the Democratic Party. Oh, yeah, that guy. Mm -hmm. Who is the future of the Democratic Party? Ha. Huh. So, of course, this gets to the whole question of, you know, Democratic socialists who yeah. are take, oh, you're, taking you're things the, over. You're on the right track. Um, yeah, but I don't know which side he stands on because the big debate is like, are we going to alienate moderate Democrats? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I would guess he maybe would come down on the side of... I don't know, the Democratic Socialists. So I'm going to say this Ocasio-Cortez You are woman. exactly correct. Ah, oh, thank God. You I didn't want to embarrass myself no, no, after well you done, did well so done. well on that last one. Um, which I think is funny because I think Ocasio-Cortez, from what I can tell, and I haven't spent a lot of time Oh, no, please don't say what you're going to say. Well, I think she's probably a political neophyte. She 100% is, and, yes. And I think that she's going to be used by the right as, like, the punching bag. Sure. For, Already is, yeah. Right. And... Um, 
you know, which I think is unfortunate because she's, she's just, she, you know, she's a first-time yeah. congresswoman. She was a bartender um, six months ago. She was ago. a bartender. Mm-hmm. And so now she will... Uh, you she know, also, by the way, hasn't won yet. Although she, she hasn't won, She right? will. But, but she's the one that, like... All Everyone's people, pinning their hopes on her, which is bizarre. Well, but or also, on what she stands for. But I also think that the, the right wing would love to say, oh, yeah, sh- this is... This is the direction. Right, that's the fear. Like, you know, and then they're going to pick apart everything. That, it, you know, maybe even a little bit like in a way, in a way like a Sarah Palin from the right, where mm-hmm. like she's on te- she's sort of untested mm-hmm. on a national mm-hmm. stage. And she's going to make mistakes. She She's going to make mistakes. You know, she symbolizes something for the left. That's an interesting comparison. But, but like that they're going to just sort of tear her apart. Right, and, right. Um, and... You know, and I think she has her probably has her strengths. Mm-hmm. She must have her strengths. She mm-hmm. couldn't become on the national stage. I couldn't. thought what you were going to say is that she's an attractive woman. Oh, uh, no. which is interesting because really, now I've she, said it. Is she an attractive woman? She is. She's very, very pretty yeah, and nice. young and sort of telegenic and appealing on that level. And I have to say, I think that's also part of. I worry that that's part of the reason why everyone's like seizing on her as this, you know, all, uh, all right, hope right. of the of the Democratic I Party. I point. Let's move on. Nice. So relieved I got that. I think what's ridiculous, I just want to say, is to say that any one faction is the future of the Democratic Party. And I think that this is a big, big problem. Um, well, we're going to say that's going to yeah. be our second right. topic of the day. Go ahead. So I'm turning on my phone again just to see, <laughs> to see my... Can't get you off the phone. Yeah, to see. I just want to say, by the way, that because my phone is sitting here, that... I just missed a, a call from my daughter from You camp, want to take that? And I didn't pick it up. <laughs> Our listeners don't care. I, don't, I care more about this podcast than my children. Yeah. Not really. As um, you all right. So my next question was an InfoWars app question, so I'm going to skip that one. Uh, all right. Here's a good one. Um, in defending Trump associates mm. who are currently in hot water for mm-hmm. one reason or another, um, both the president and his lead lawyer, the esteemed and honorable Rudolph Giuliani, oh, Giuliani yeah. current lead lawyer, um, have both cited uh, the same comparison. In they both Trump. used the same comparison. This is sort of related. In Typical. defending, in defending Trump associates. This kind of sounds like your first question in a way. It's not just. It's sort of like oh well, people trying to kind of. Well, I mean, this president is all about spin, right? Like right. he says something, and then everyone around him spins, tries desperately course, to spin right. it so that it doesn't sound as terrible as it really right, was. Right, because as we talked about, it's the authentic mutterings of kind of a, a lunatic, confused brain. He's not a <laughs> lunatic. You know what's funny about lunatic? You ever listen to the musical Chess? Do you remember the Chess? Of course I. You do. probably know it by heart. Yes, I do. Remember he's like, where, remember that part? I was thinking about this last night, where he's like, you can dissect him or predict him, which yes. you don't know which way he jumps, which in fact means he's not a lunatic at all like that's that's trump oh my god you get so many points for just quoting the musical yeah, my, chess. My very mediocre the other the other five people who yeah. also remember yeah. chess are so happy right yeah. now <laughs> so um yeah okay so he's not a lunatic he's he's a he's a crazy like a fox right yeah, exactly right. so um what did they say about his- so in defending yeah. Recent revelations. Yeah. Both Giuliani and the president made used used a comparison that I found fascinating. About Trump, they compared him to something. Yes. Well, not him. They compared the situation. I'm. I'm. This is all too vague for me. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I can't make it so, any more specific. So Giuliani, the lawyer, said yes. this was about Trump's what tweets about. So his- Giuliani made this comparison in talking about the Cohen. Yes. Um, Trump tape that was released right. a few well, weeks ago. Well, I remember that Giuliani said that 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 uh, Michael Cohen is like I used to defend him, but he's a total scumbag, and, <laughs> and, and, and he's like, how could he take how could he well, take yeah. his client? Right. I remember that. Um, but and then uh, Trump also used this comparison recently when he was talking about the Manafort oh, collusion. prosecution. Is this about collusion not being a crime? No. Nope. Um, <laughs> he has said that a few times. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I don't know. What do you got? So they both com- they both used mafia comparisons. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, which I well, but remember thought Giuliani, was telling. Giuliani, that was his whole career was putting Correct. away mafia guys. Correct. Right. Um, and then recently, Trump tweeted, you know, who got treated worse, Manafort or Al Capone? Oh, I remember that. Okay. And 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 to refresh the memory of anyone who didn't yeah. hear this, Giuliani was talking about the Trump Cohen tapes, and he said. Uh, and people were saying they had trouble understanding it. He's like, he's I, like this I is much her, clearer than the mafia tapes than that the I spent. Three thousand mafia guys, yeah. Exactly. So, and I just thought it was so interesting because to me, 
Right. That's a weird comparison to use, right? Unless you in some way model yourself after, idolize, are interested in the mafia. Because the the way Trump operates is like how the mafia operates. Maybe the metaphor not to use when dealing with the Russians yes. and organized crime and yes, oligarchs exactly. is mafia metaphors. Correct. It's not gonna... Maybe Rudolf Giuliani, who's like steeped in that world, isn't the right guy yes. to use. Yes. It seems to me that Giuliani has been like very like he's not the right guy to be defending Trump. And, <laughs> to say um, the least. But at the same time, I feel like there's nothing. This isn't going anywhere. I really. I mean, the problem is he tried a lot less. You know, he's tried a lot of lawyers at this point. And he needs someone who's like him because no one else is going to stick with him. It looks to me like they're not going to flip Manafort. And they flipped, I guess, Manafort's guy. But, oh, I think but, the hope of flipping Manafort is long gone. I think the question so, is, does Manafort get, in, does he get punished? And does his punishment he's gonna get pardoned. He's going to get punished and then pardoned. And then that'll be the end of it. And I think that, you know. The, the end, end of it? I think it'll be the end of it, yeah. Are you kidding? I don't think that there's any. You don't think gonna, people are going to turn out gonna in the There's going to be a report that comes out in a month or two that says, Yes, there were people in the Trump campaign who colluded with Russians to to manipulate the campaign, but we don't see that this is actually something that was um, material in impacting the election. And and I think that's what will come out. And they say this would be a crime maybe if we had laws against it, but we don't. We don't. We've never seen this before. Who's going to produce this report? You're saying this is the Mueller report? That's the Mueller report. Oh, my God. That's no way. Yeah, no, it's going to come out. No, and they're going to say, and then they say, like, and then the Democrats can choose to impeach on that or not. And if they do impeach on it, I think. Assuming they even It can. would be, and they probably are going to sweep and win. But I actually think impeachment will, will wind up being a mistake if they do do that because it'll well, just. That's a lot of predictions, Andrew. Yeah, well, there's, but that's what I think. I think that there's going to be some there there. It'll be kind what of. What about all the financial crimes? You think be, at this point, because I Trump keeps be saying like, it's about collusion, even if Mueller comes back and says like all of these financial crimes were committed, everyone's going to be like, "See, no collusion." I mean, that's possible. I think so. I mean, I think that there's just by this point, if he doesn't have anything, and like. Well, makes you think, it would be, well, I mean, makes you think gonna, he doesn't have anything. He's going to have something, he's right? He's definitely going to have something. He's going to have something, but it's not going to be that incriminating. And he's not going to put He's not going to put Don John, Don, Don Jr., Jr. <laughs> yes. you know. It, he doesn't have anything on Don Jr., which is really the meeting that, and I, I, my sense is that nothing really came out of that meeting. Like, they certainly had the intent to do something, but I think when... Right, which actually is a crime. I actually think the biggest smoking gun they have is that Trump said, like, hey, Russia, go hack Hillary's emails. And he said it in front of all of us. live television. In front of all of us. And then they did. And so to me, that's the whole thing. Well, we don't know. I think there's a lot below the surface. So I guess that's going to be pretty awesome to talk about come fall. Yeah, that's coming. Something to look forward. That's a coming attraction, people. I actually just... That's our Oscar. That's our Oscar movie that's coming out in the fall. So so here's my question. (laughs) So actually... um, it's a two-part question. So, Kimberly Guilfoyle yes. is, uh, I know who she is. Fox yes. anchor. Yes. Um, Ooh, we're back on sexual harassment. Okay, and goody. she, exactly, she was uh, recently uh, Ousted. let go from Fox. And do you know, um, yes. and so my question to you is, you know who she's currently dating, right? Yes. So, now, my question to you is, do you know who her previous husband was? I know both. Yeah. Oh, good. Thank you. This is right up my alley. Yeah. Uh, so, Kimberly Guilfoyle recently ousted from Fox News uh, accusations of improper sexual behavior, yes. yeah, which too. is basically that she showed dick pics mm-hmm. to people, mm-hmm. which is just so weird, but yeah. okay. Um, she's currently dating Donald Jr., yeah. who is, I think, not quite divorced yet from, yeah. his, from his wife, but... Any day now. Yeah. Um, and her, yes, and her previous husband, which is really weird, is Gavin Newsom. Yeah. The, who governor. will most likely be the next governor of California. Yeah, potentially presidential. Candidate. And who's very much like a leading light in the Democratic Party. So, like, Kimberly Guilfoyle, in my opinion, is the Ava Perone of, <laughs> of America. Like, she's this beautiful You're giving her too woman much credit. who has, like, has managed to date like the like most power I think there's probably more than just Don Jr. and if we look at Who the knows? people that she's mm. been involved with like she anyway watch Kimberly Guilfoyle because I think she's not going away someone to watch somebody to watch <laughs> she's our up and coming star I think she's gonna sort of like somehow <laughs> sleep her way into the White House that's what I'm saying about Kimberly Guilfoyle you think she's gonna get back together with Gavin Newsom that seems like that would be tough I just think it's so strange that she was Married Both. to Gary Gavin Newsom, like the leading light of the Democratic Party, then yes. becomes a Fox News anchor. Yes. Um, now um, right. dating very closely 
It's pretty Dodger, weird. she's an interesting she could be, person. She could be wife number one, two, three, I, four and it, but was of so, the president what, himself. That would be pretty what's interesting. What's so interesting to me is when you read an article about Kimberly Guilfoyle, and I've read a few, you'll never see anyone mention the fact that she was married to Gavin oh. Newsom, which is so funny because like that seems to me like that's the most interesting fact about her. Well, it's and her personal life though, right? So I, I guess, can see why people don't All the articles it. are about her and Don Jr. So right, like you'd right. say like, well, look, it's pretty gonna, weird. If let's, you're going to talk let's about... Let's interview Gavin Newsom about this. <laughs> I, I just think it's really interesting. I want to know like, how he feels. Like, to me, like, if the left-wing media is going to write, write about Kimberly Guilfoyle, like, you've got to write yeah. about the fact that she was married to Gavin Newsom. Like, that's like a really interesting part of her background, and it's, it never comes well, up. Well, it's somewhat interesting. In the end, how much can you really tell about somebody based on who they were married to? It's as interesting as who they're dating now, I think. Sure, I'm not interested in either. I guess, even and, though I and happen it's to know that both she of was married to like the, the liberal light of the of the of California. Yes, and, and now as a Fox News anchor, yeah. she's just. I just think it says to me like at the top echelons of power, like it, it says that it's about power. It's not about, or at least for Kimberly Guilfoyle. Yeah, that's why I think she's Ava Perel. It's a bit of a conundrum. Yeah, back to right. me, back to musicals. Nice, uh, I like that. Oh yeah, I worked in two musicals. <laughs> I'm very you impressed. Can see where I come from. All right, so um, yes, even though Andrew point. and I like you know pretend to not be in the same tribe, yeah. like when it comes to musicals, I'm in the musical. We're in the same tribe. What can I say? All right, shall we? Um, so that was not my tribe. You got three points. So you and you got like a hundred. And I get a hundred for figuring out the yeah. Um, that was really impressive. Let's talk about. So here's the one of the topics I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. and that is immigration. Um, that was like the big story, and you know maybe the big story of of Trump's presidency in terms of like the, the biggest. Certainly was the big story of the summer, right? Right. And um, but if you if you now look at like well what was the worst thing the lowest point of the Trump presidency it probably was this Charlottesville. Or, well, maybe Charlottesville. Um, and was that in last, what, November? It was a year ago. No, it was exactly a year ago because they're having the Unite the Right rallies this weekend. I was actually looking at the polls and it, Trump's doing well in the polls, but um, what it was, what's interesting to wait, me wait, is... Wait, 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 what? No, he's not. He's well, a horrible at, approval rating. If you look at the country in the right direction, wrong direction poll, which the, the last time we were at such a narrow band between mm. people thinking right, we still have... A big separation there. Yes. So the last time we were in such a narrow band mm. was like 2008. All right. Well, that's one way to measure it. Which is one way to measure it, okay. right? The other way to measure it is to say he's actually got like 40, according to Rasmussen, he's got like 47 percent and 47. 47 percent approved, 51 percent disapproved. So um, I don't know. All these polls seem like BS to me. I have to tell you because I think are. it's all about how you ask the question. I, I don't know. But you look at it and actually, I find them people are. At this point. Maybe it's the summer, and, but people right now are. Relatively, you know, sanguine about okay. things. So, so anyway, I, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that, except that I was going to talk to you about immigration <laughs> and right. about the separation policy. You were saying and, you were looking at his poll numbers, and, and we were talking about Charlottesville. Yes, and that this is um, this was kind of a kind of a black mark on their kind of yes, a very bad moment for the administration. I, I would argue. It wasn't that big of a deal in the, I mean, it was a big deal for about 500 families, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Thank you for acknowledging. For, um, more, way more than 500, by the way. But, or, okay. or however many families have been affected. Several by. thousand. But I, presumably they've now changed the policy, so it's, there's still, I guess, kids looking for their parents. About but, 500 are still separated, yeah. I believe. Right. So, all that said, um, what I wanted to talk about that I thought was interesting, would, would I never really hear from the liberal side? And, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to get your opinion on it. Like, I kind of understand, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I kind of understand the Trump view of immigration, which is to say, hey, illegal immigration is a problem um, at, some, at, at, at some level because these people who come in, yeah, like, yeah. they're not registered, they don't pay taxes, they use our healthcare, they use our schools, all these things. They commit things. terrible crimes. Well, and then you can, go with the hyperbole and say they're rapists and crime, but, but basically having people who are off the books is... Well, the idea is it's an, illegal immigration, right? And it's anything an, illegal is It's against the law, but bad. it's also, even so, like... Unless it's tax fraud. There's a cost to society of having people who are living outside of, who aren't paying taxes, who aren't 
There's an argument that it is. A, and, and by the that way, it is. It's not an. It's not a uh, infallible argument. And by the way, those people can also be exploited, right? Because if they're doing something that's illegal, yeah. right? like, that's the argument that they should use. No, but it is true <laughs> that they're making this. That they're making it's, this anti-immigration push for the sake of the you, illegal they're immigrants. They're not making minimum wage. They're yeah. They're not. Know, strangely, they're not using. They that can argument. always be blackmailed by the INS, right? Yeah, they yeah, can yeah. say, oh, like. Yeah, they live in a shadow economy. It, they not, can't get driver's licenses. Blah blah blah. It's not. It's not good for them. It's not. A, it's not good for them. It's not good for the country, right? That's the people, argument. Sure. You, do you think illegals having people who are well? Here's what I would say. That, I would, and that's why the question is to say, yeah. as somebody who's a liberal, mm-hmm. like, do you think that having essentially illegal immigrants, people who are outside of the law, is like is something that like Democrats should say? Yeah, we should get them on top. All right. Of that so here's not? my here's what I'm going to say, which is the idea that we could fully stamp out illegal immigration is pie-in-the-sky, imaginary BS. It's like saying, um, you know, we need to address mental health because that's the issue in all this gun violence. Okay, good luck stamping out all mental illness. That's not going to happen. In the same way, you're never going to be able to fully stamp out illegal immigration. Every single country in the world has immigrants who enter illegally in one form or another. Sure, can you decrease that number? Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, well, if and, you if you prov- okay, okay, but if so you that's provide, if you provided some kind of a well, one if you first of all, there are them. a million disincentives which you've already touched on right. to being an illegal immigrant. Right? right, you live in fear. Right. You can't work in most right. many jobs. You can't go to school. You can't get federal funding for education. You can't apply for grants. Like, there's already a million. It's not like you come here as an illegal immigrant. And you're living the same yeah. as if you but were it's, but it's a, a million legal times immigrant. better than living in, in Ecuador. So that's my point, right? <laughs> right? Which is why you're until the until there's no reason anymore for people to come to this country, um, they're they're going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. And you don't change that by changing the situation in this country because the truth is those people would still rather come here and work at menial jobs, be exploited, have to live in fear of deportation all the time. They would still choose that, and that's what they're choosing. They know what they're getting into. Many of them. Uh, over what's going on in their home country. And that is part of the argument for compassion and for compassionate treatment, which is like, this is the real world. This is the world we live in. And I keep hearing this incredibly dumb, oversimplified argument from people on the right where they say, but it's illegal. We should be against all things that are illegal. How can you argue that we should, well, you know? But you my point is like, it's going to happen. Laws are important. Well, Correct. And then you have to measure what's the cost. And what's the harm? Of, and what's the benefit? Because there's also a benefit to illegal right. immigrants. They take all the crap jobs that nobody else wants to take. They do the manual labor in the fields. Yeah. They do all the people's gardens all can over I the ju- country. Can I jump in? Yeah. So, so the it's going to happen argument doesn't isn't strong with me because I think any crime is going to happen. Correct. The people are always going to steal. People are always going kill each other. Kill each other, right? Yes. They're going to. Yes. Um, they're going to take drugs. They're going to mm-hmm. yeah, pay, yeah. pay for sex. Yeah. Right. So, and then there are these area, other areas where you say, okay, maybe since they're going to take drugs and since it costs a lot and there's cost benefit analysis, why don't we do something like legalize we should, marijuana? We should legalize, <laughs> and so then people change. Or maybe they say, hey, since they're going to pay for sex, let's register prostitutes and make that. Quasi legal, or let's yeah. let's have let's have some ways so that we can actually put some controls on it, right? Right. So, and in all those situations, I you look at who's can, harmed and who, what are the harms yeah. and what are the benefits. So, I don't think you can ever really and and clearly, there's a lot of people who feel like they're harmed, both because they say, "Oh, well, there's all these illegal illegals who are coming in." And but it's imaginary. They're not taking jobs I away from Americans. They are not taking jobs away from Americans. I think. They, I think there's fewer jobs that un, that that sort of uns, unskilled mm-hmm. people can do, and there's a lot of unskilled people. And right, uh, anything and that I've ever read, a, Andrew argues a, that this argument is is the economic argument against illegal immigrants is is full of holes. Okay, so I guess my real question is what what do you think that the policy? So we talked about all that, but yeah. like, what does the left say? So I get that the left thinks that okay. We should be compassionate. And I, I'm for mm-hmm. compassion. You can't be against... But at the same time, I feel like you can't only, only. be compassionate sure. because if sure. we just... So here's... you know, yeah, then you have open borders. Would, we, would right. you want to have basically all of Venezuela no. come to the United States? No. You wouldn't. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. 
Um, and we see and that, and we see what's happening in Europe right and now, also right? If you and have it's a, a mess. If you, if you, and this is also, I think, the big conundrum. Like, if if the left wants more of a social safety net, if yeah. you want socialism, yeah. if you want minim, you pay minimum it, guaranteed that, income, right. right? That actually argues for like you got to do less with it, you have or to you have, legalize more people and make it possible for them to pay taxes. So, so there's a couple of solutions, right? Even if you you make immigration easier, becoming a citizen easier, like it's never going to stem the flow. Like yeah. you're always going to have more and more people. So, so I guess the, my question is, well, then what, what does the left want to do? Right. Like I don't, I ne- and I never really hear, I, if I were a Democrat, mm-hmm. I would say, I believe in, in strong borders. I believe in taking, um, in creating a situation for people who are here where they can work with a temporary visa or they can mm-hmm. they can be within the system yes. and they can and that, that that is actually a preferable status yeah. for, for them so that actually it would be better to be work within without but at the same time if people don't opt into that yes then what are the consequences then they're breaking the law and yeah. they have to leave sure and um, well that sounds that that I think if you the, enunciated that in a correct in a, in a clever way like I don't see why that can't be or why that wouldn't be I mean I don't think Democrats Democrats are not arguing and it's not going to be a winning argument to just say like let's do away with all immigration controls like no one no one is arguing for that but no one's saying immigration controls are an important no one on the well, left the is saying immigration is, boards controls right and actually enforcing, that's not true. Them, enforcing I think those people laws are, are actually an important I think moderate part. Democrats say that all the time. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't hear I think the problem is the conversation. it's become a very emotional argument. And when it becomes an emotional argument, and you can hear it in my voice yeah. as well, um, you run into problems. But I would argue that the people who've made it an emotional argument are the administration who have, you know, inflamed people's um, xenophobia and inflamed people's racism as a kind of tool to try to get people on their side, right, in this anti-immigrant push and in the kind of policies that they have enacted, like this extremely disastrous separation policy, yeah. which they then had to backtrack and then pretended that they should get credit for by reuniting families that, in fact, they separated. I, although um, I, I think I read, and I'm not, I'm, I'm going to have to back this up, but I actually think I read that, uh, that Trump's ratings polling among Hispanics mm. has been going up and I don't know why that is but but if you if, if I think that if if Hispanic voters really believed that Trump that, that this was a racist policy and that this was based on race not based on you know limiting mm-hmm. you know then you, you would see a very different reaction oh, well without the without the evidence that's but I but I can't really back it up so I will have but we'll I, but I think that's time. right but so so your question is what is the policy of the liberal I, left I actually think that 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 the Democrats made a big mistake in um, in the last election by not having a counter argument a strong mm-hmm. counter argument and a strong positional counter argument that included the fact that like you know by the way we can't yeah. let everybody in yeah um, to Trump making immigration basically every time Trump said immigration the I don't Democrats think they said didn't, racism I don't think that they didn't have an argument but I do think that they got caught up in the emotion of it. Right, and um, they wanted to. They wanted. So that to was talk. a. I mean, and that's a win ultimately for, for the for yeah, the or, yes yeah. for that. And uh, so anyway, that's that's my take. Well, that's your little piece. That's our and, little piece of advice to the and, Democratic Party this and uh, just, fall. Yeah, and so I think the separation policy thing in the end of the day was it was definitely a black mark on the Trump administration. But I think used as an issue. It's, it's gonna, still a win for them, the immigration thing. Still a win. If they say, oh, I will also say, Andrew, I think we're falling women. a little bit into the trap, though, of conflating, and it's a problem always when you talk about politics in America. I think uh, 100% chance that people who live in, by politicians in border states yeah. are talking about immigration. Democrats in border states are talking about immigration issues constantly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to look this up, but Beto O'Rourke, who is running against yeah. Ted Cruz, I guarantee you he has a very strong, very coherent yeah. immigration stand. Um, and then I think it's less relevant in places like uh, New Hampshire, right? Or places like Kansas. Um, so so I think this is one of those issues where it's very successfully become a national issue, but it's so local. It's so different if you live in Texas than if you live in a state in the Midwest. I think that's true. 
and so that actually is perfect segue to our last topic. Yes. Um, so Beto O'Rourke uh, was running against Ted Cruz, <laughs> yes. fellow uh, class Princeton alumni. Um, he, uh, I think, is uh, in many many ways being considered sort of emblematic of potentially a, a new Democrat. Um, and I actually had the opportunity to meet. Yeah, we should clarify: it's not Beto O'Rourke who went to the same college as us. No, no, it's, Ted it's Cruz, the other guy. The great. Um, but. And I actually got the opportunity to hear the the first Democrat who has announced uh, that he's running for president in 2020 mm-hmm. is uh, this guy, John Delaney. And I, Congressman John Congressman Delaney. Congressman John K. Delaney, who uh, uh, I actually got to hear him in person. And I thought he actually said he might come on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And he was, I thought, um, eloquent and very thoughtful and and yet sounded a lot to me like John Kasich in the sense that he was saying, well, I want to talk about a unity message. I want to see how we can right. um, bring bring the party together. Um, and he's and, a Democrat. We should. And, we should yeah, he's uh, a Democrat, but a, a moderate, moderate Democrat, Democrat from Maryland. Mm-hmm. And um, and I wanted to ask you, and you haven't read his book. Um, Not yet, but I'm going but to I, now. You have a copy, but you know the the big question in my mind, wasn't just like, hey, can a moderate Democrat win? Um, which I think maybe- In 2020, we're talking about. In 2020, okay. but I was wondering, in your opinion, can a white male moderate Democrat win? Mm-hmm. Which is to say, with a unity message. Like, I actually think Barack Obama ran on a unity message. Absolutely. But that worked because he was African-American and because of sort of who he symbolized. And so, um, because of all of that, like he was going to get a lot of people, he was going to get an African American support. He was going to get a lot of other support from maybe marginalized groups, um, and then he could kind of get the the middle, right? He could mm-hmm. get the moderate, yeah. the independents. He could get the moderate. Um, so, is your question: Have people so turned against white men in the I, last two years that I, a white yeah, man a, is a being a white man is yeah, a liability? Is, is a white man a liability? Is Will the Democrats, do you think, run a, do you think that the nominee will be a white man? And could a white man, could a white man win the Democratic primary? Yeah. I think maybe if he's a far left, like a Bernie Sanders, you could. But if you were a moderate or like a middle, um, could a white man That's a good, really good question. Really interesting question. What do you think? I'm looking forward to reading his book. so initially you said, could a white man win? Or win the Democratic primary. Okay, right. So if the question is, could he win the presidency? I think 100% yes. For sure, right. Um, that's obvious. Uh, could he win a pr- the primary is a much, obviously, more complicated issue. Um, and I can't p- predict. Uh, I would say probably not. Right. Probably not for 2020. And I don't know that that says as much as it does about the Democratic Party as it does about the Republican Party and how they've defined themselves. So I almost think at this point, the Republicans have like doubled down so hard on this white, male-dominated, you know, uh, America first kind of uh, xenophobic message. Um, And I would say also sexist message uh, or misogynistic message. that I think it would be very difficult at this point for the Democrats to run a white man yeah. as president. But here's the thing. Did you I, ask Delaney this? Basically, everybody asked him the same and question. And what, what was his like, answer? Like a case he basically said, well, I think, he said, first, I think there's going to be lanes, right? There's going to be like the, um, you know, the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren lane, and there's going to be another lane. And like, and I'm going to win my lane. Yeah. And, uh, and, he, and he basically said, well, if we can get enough, um, enough people to sort of say, hey, the important thing is to win mm-hmm. and not the important thing is to be symbolically be symbolic or be inclusive, but like we want to win. Like I could they could potentially pick me. It's possible. Uh, and personally, as somebody who's kind of a moderate, maybe even I mean, you would consider me to be slightly right leaning um, yes. centrist that um, I would vote for Someone Delaney, like yeah. Delaney over Trump any day. Sure. Um, but would you vote for Delaney over? But I would vote for Cory Trump over Elizabeth Warren. Oh my god! Um, because I just think, and and there's just there's something about Elizabeth Warren that, and I could just tell she sets off a certain, she sets off people in the same way that Hillary Clinton sets off. Oh my people. god, that's so weird. Because like, what do they have in common? Right. That's it's not, so strange. It's not in my opinion that they're women. 
Um, it, it is, and I'm going to use this word, and you're going to hate me for using this word, but it's that it, they come off as strident, and um, yeah, and that's obviously that's a buzz. Obviously, that's not a great word to use, but at the same, you're time, not the only person who feels this way. So it's important that you're articulating this, even though I find it deeply offensive. And I think you don't. I still believe that you don't fully understand how how your how your opinion of her is molded by her gender her gender i just think you don't get it right but no i mean i think i, I think there, would, there i and i and i wish i could find a really good like would you call democratic Trump? female candidate that like i feel like what about kamala harris why don't you go educate yourself about kamala harris and then tell me what you think of her because i'd be curious i i think she's a she must be a threat because a lot of um right-wing folks attack her all the time yeah but um, well she's black and a woman so yeah uh, but um, it's interesting to me. Like, would you ever use the word strident to describe Trump? No, it's clearly it's a female because word. he is the he is like strident uh, embodied. Like, right. there's there's no one more I think strident, strident than is he gender, is. Is a gender word. It I, is. I don't, I don't think you talk about. Like, I I think it's uh, like you wouldn't. I'm trying to think of the equivalent. Like, we wouldn't describe describe actually all the all the equivalent things that you would see. You wouldn't describe. Describe a man as are yeah. tend to be things where they we actually I was talking to my kids about the word what effeminate meant mm-hmm. or it was actually maybe not effeminate it was a different word that was a synonym for effeminate mm-hmm. and um, but there are a lot of them fay fay right you know and I was like well it's usually used to describe a man you wouldn't describe a woman as yeah because it's pejorative but of course it's pejorative and it actually always. Is, and it's always gender always uh, always um, well so this is the big question I, I think I like, all and I think true. we got to wrap it up but. I, Mostly to say that this is going to be a huge topic for the next few months slash years, which yeah. is what is the future of the Democratic Party? It's the thing everyone wants to talk about right now because, you know, it's it, do you go with people who can win? What does that mean? Right. Um, and even let's and, say and you got somebody with the same policies, right? Yeah. But, but I will that, also tell you, Andrew, like this is something that I think we lose sight of is we want to believe that we can predict who has a chance of winning when the truth is we never really know. And until there's so many moving parts in a campaign and such a long campaign season that people will surprise you. You know, maybe Delaney right. is incredibly charismatic and yeah. an unbelievable he is speaker. Right? So that will that will put him ahead a right. certain number of, you know, bars on the ladder. But, but like Kasich, he sounds reasonable, right? So and Or and maybe what he'll we make, saw in the right wing primaries that reasonable went nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, and like the Jeb Bush. He could be the Jeb Bush of the. Yeah, of he's, the, the uh, he's the John Kasich. I well, think except Kasich, a lot of people love Kasich. Yeah, a lot of a lot of liberals were like, "Oh, I could live with Kasich." Yeah, but um, as long as you don't care about you know, like abortion the, rights. But the but the the heart of the party were like, "Oh, that guy. He sounds like a Democrat." Yeah, and so because he wants to work with the other side, he wants. To, you know, he's so far from being a Democrat. Is the irony of that? Yeah, he is. But on the other hand, at least he didn't sound. Divisive. Funny. Divisive, yeah. Yeah. At well, I think, said, I mean, I, I think it's, I think, you know, the advantage for a white man is that no one will accuse him of playing identity politics, which is actually hilarious because, in fact, white male, you know, putting forward a message that's really targeted towards white men, like, if that's not identity politics, I don't know what yeah. it is. I really uh, want, I want to, I really wish there was a woman candidate. Uh, it doesn't have to be. Of any race, whatever. Mm-hmm. I bet a woman candidate from on the on the left who is a moderate. Who is a moderate? Okay. Um, well, that's who we should be looking. But I don't for, know maybe. that they exist. Well, I think unfortunately, by just being in favor of abortion rights now, you no longer no, count as really. being in a, a what, moderate. What about the woman who, uh, we were talking about who um, kind of got in front of the meat? Gillibrand is she? Am I uh, a moderate? People have very strong feelings. She's moving further and further left. Yeah. She was actually quite moderate. Right. Um, but now um, she's she's decided that's not a path for her. But anyway, this will be something to follow. All right. Woo. Sorry to anyone who is offended by my use of the word strident, but thank you. No, for I think it's interesting. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm exhausted. And we're, <laughs> it's great to be back. And uh, we'll we see you will again soon. See you soon. Thanks.